going on yes uh, welcome welcome to the Taz show everybody hope you guys are all good rocking and rolling appreciate the download appreciate you checking me out here on apple Podcasts, or um you're doing that over there which used to be called itunes or maybe you're doing it on radio.com or tashow.com uh spotify whatever you're doing it's much appreciated you know i love it i love you and i appreciate it very much so thank you thank you thank you for the support uh we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna do a little. It's, it's a kind of a throwback snack, I guess. You know, I guess that's what we would call it because it is a. Um, we're gonna go back to an old 2015 episode of. I believe this was a human podcast machine in this episode, so it is a throwback snack. But I want to do a new open. I got to get the crew to do a new open for me because the throwback snack open is badass, as you know. But it has, it says that I go over a match in, in the throwback snack, if you remember the open. And I will continue doing that going forward down the road. But sometimes, as you guys know, we drop like some old human podcast machine episodes from back a couple of years ago when some newer fans that listen to my content maybe never heard the interview or a segment or something we did back then so i like to repurpose it and bring it forward so you guys can hear it um you know and stuff like that um and by the way uh appreciate all the love on the last podcast that was dropped early in the week where seth and i uh got together again and we did a top current wrestlers of 2018 male wrestlers so uh that got a ton of downloads and much appreciated guys uh thanks so much for that and we will do a um seth and i together We'll do a uh, top female uh, 2018 wrestlers, current wrestlers. So we will do that soon. I also, in the next uh, probably week or two, got a couple of really interesting guests coming up. So, uh, you know, I'm going to start incorporating guests a little bit here and there. I figured, let me do that. I, you know me, I try not to do the guesting too much. I love, I have a lot of friends in the business. Uh, some people I fell out of touch with, but I still consider them friends. Uh, some people are newer friends. Some people I, I consider friends from the business, the wrestling business that I I never met, and they're my friends. So I'm gonna have um, um, some a couple of guests coming on in the very near future, here, the next couple of weeks on the Taz show. I figured out, let me do some of that. And of course, I know a lot of you guys like what you guys call the what ifs. Uh, we'll do some of those too uh, going forward. So there's a lot of exciting stuff going down here very soon with the Taz show. But like I said, I want to go back in time here soon, uh, in, soon, I should say shortly in this particular episode where it's, I believe, episode five, episode five. Yeah, that's that was when we had Jonathan Coachman. Uh, it was a sit down interview with Jonathan Coachman from February fifth, twenty fifteen. Kids, how's that? Old school Jones. Yeah, so that'll happen in this episode here. So you guys will dig it. And this was before Coach. This was when Coach was working for ESPN. So uh, it was a really good conversation. And and if I remember now, if I remember, I should say my Brooklynese. I apologize. In this sit-down convo with the coach, um, who is now, as you guys know, the raw uh, one of the raw color commentators, with coach, I did get into, and he was talking about, and you could tell, and I don't remember exactly what he said, I'll paraphrase, but he got into a little chat with how he was trying to connect at that time, several years ago, ESPN with WWE, because he was working for ESPN, like Sports Center, all the stuff, the cool stuff coach had done for ESPN, so um that's gonna be in this episode you're gonna hear that's why i wanted to go back in time and let you guys check it out and hear it so and again even some of you people you people you people okay some of you people that listen to my content all the time i love you more than life itself more than a big log of bajut and super with some provolone those that know italian cold cuts you know what i mean I love you that much, but even you'll go back, listen to this interview. Now you can hear in this episode with me and coach and you're like, wow, look at that. Ah, 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 yes. I could see why 
he connected with WWE again. You could tell, right? Coach was missing that WWE world and that life in this conversation I have with him, which is pretty cool. And Coach is an open book. He doesn't sit around and BS you. So um, it's a pretty good conversation. So I hope you like it. I, I, I know I enjoy talking with him. And, you know, and it's not really an interview. It is an interview, but interview, but... I like to talk to people. I, I don't sit and hit, you know, my gimmick, especially when I had more guests, uh, you know, when I did the more guesting, it was never like my gimmick was for those that are new to my stuff. Um, I never hit you with the hard questions. I always give you layups. That was my gimmick. And I used to joke about it because I what do I got to have someone come on the show and, and or a podcast with me and I got to act like a douche and I got to ask hard questions. I, I don't know. I got to. Oh, what about the juicy stuff? I'm going to answer. I'm going to ask you the hard hitting questions. Oh, that's a load of malarkey. Please stop. Everybody in their mother does that. I'm good. I'm going to I'm going to throw you softballs. Have a fun conversation. Convo Jones. Nice and loose. Simple City Jones. That's that's how I basically always ran the uh, guesting. And when I have guests coming up here soon, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to do the exact same thing. And if you don't like it, I don't care. But that's what I'm going to do. And it's that simple. So uh, so that's the deal. But you're going to love this interview. Like I said, um, I'm thinking maybe next week, just to follow up on the top current 2018 male wrestlers, the KFJ, Seth and I will do one for women. Probably early in the week I'm hoping to drop that for early morning Sunrise Jones Monday morning um, So the way it seems Like we're going to give you Podcasts Mondays and, and Fridays Okay so it gets you Into your work week and gets you out of your Work week so we're going to go that right And occasionally uh, drop one on Wednesdays In the middle Jones so that'll happen too At times so just be prepared You never know what's going to happen on a Taz show You think you know but you don't know But I'll tell you what I know about and that's uh, my friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. See, they understand that the home plays a big role in your life and family, and that's why they created, well, Rocket Mortgage. Okay, Rocket Mortgage gives you that confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, guys, allowing you to fully understand all the details to be confident when you're that you're getting the right mortgage for yourself or or, or and or your family, I should say. So, and you know, they have their trusted partners, which is the cool thing uh, that basically you can share your financial information with no problemo. You don't have to worry about it. It's 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 great by touch of a button. That's how easy this is. Uh, and besides getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for yourself. Okay, Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, and mortgage confidently. To get started, guys, go to rocketmortgage.com slash T-A-Z. That's rocketmortgage.com slash T-A-Z. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. And MLSConsumeraccess.org number 3030. They call that a rocket mortgage. Yes. So, so that's a deal. So like I said, we're going to go back in time, and we are going to do a, a little gimmick <laughs> from 2015. Sit tight, guys. Taz Show. Be right back. Going to sit down. Old interview from 2015 with John Tocotrin, who's now the Raw Telecommentator. Be right back. My special guest in this episode is here, or on the hook, I should say, the one and only ESPN's own Jonathan Coachman, the coach. What's up, brother? I got to be honest with you, Taz, that from where our relationship started to the fact that I am a guest on one of the very first episodes of the number one podcast in America, my heart is full. I can't believe that this is happening. <laughs> Can't believe it's happening. Uh, first off, that was a extremely disingenuous comment. I'm not surprised because <laughs> I know you. And, but here's the cool thing with this, bro. As you know, you and I, we, we have not technically spoke. We've spoken via text, but we haven't spoken in years. I don't know how long since you left WWE. Probably right. I guess it, it, maybe. 
at least seven, uh, well, probably longer than that, probably probably seven or eight or nine years at least. Wow. At least. Well, I mean, we've texted, but you're right. But, but this has been the first time, so it, it's cool to hear your voice. And this is a thing that dudes can do that women cannot do. <laughs> they, they can go a long period of time, not speak, and then come right back on. And whether they're on the air or not on the air, just pick up like you never left off. So that's the cool thing about being a guy. It's funny that you said, and you're correct, and it's funny that you said that because my first first guest, you know, a while back on the human podcast machine was Edge. You know Edge very well. And of course. Edge said the same thing you said because I hadn't spoken to Edge in a long time neither, and then he said the same thing. That's what, that's what you know guys do. We just catch up. And, you know, I'm noticing a pattern, Coach. I don't speak to anyone for a long time. See, here's the thing, because, because the one thing that you want, you never want people to think about Taz. The, the human suplex machine, all the different nicknames that you have, is that you actually care or that you're in any way soft. So I feel like you developed this podcast to reconnect with people from your past, but at the same time say, oh, it's just for the show. It's just for my show. I don't really like this person. I just think they can help me and help me stay at number one on iTunes. And you know what? You came to the right place because you're right. I'm a star. I'm at ESPN. So we're on the same page. I love you, man. I miss you. <laughs> oh, God. You're the man, bro. Let's talk about your success. All kidding aside. I mean, before we get into, like, you know, I, look, when you come on my show, like, we just have a conversation. That's what we're doing. It's not sure, really an interview, sure. you know. So, like, I, I want to talk a little bit about ESPN and WWE and all that stuff. But, you know, I was not shocked in any of us. Um, that were WWE announcers back when you were. <clears throat> we none of us were surprised the success you've had at ESPN. I, I don't think so. I don't want to speak for those guys, but I, I would think that they all got it because you were always just so smooth on the air, and your background was in in real sport before uh-huh. you came to WWE. So, um, but but hosting Sports Center and how many times you've done it? Who knows? And your own radio show, ESPN. I mean, what a dream that had to be for you to come true hosting Sports Center the first time you did it. Taz, I, I can I can remember like it was yesterday because even though I spent ten great years uh, in the WWE, we all have different dreams and we all have different things we want to do. For me, growing up, really from you know from being a little kid, I wanted to do it. But really, when Sports Center became big in the in the early nineties, it, it's the one show I always wanted to do. And I always said, if I could ever walk into that studio and sit in the chair and uh, and just be a part of you know I say even one show, then I'll have known I, I've made it on some level and the very first night I got to do Sports Center, which was gosh back in uh, 2009 so it's been you know almost six years ago now nice. and I've probably done I know, thousands of them but I do a little thing where I walk into the studio because I do feel that being a part of an iconic brand like SportsCenter before me it's going to be here long after me uh, is special so every single day that I walk into the studio from the first day on I kind of take like five ten seconds pause and and then I go in and I do my thing because I don't wow. want to ever yeah. forget uh, how special it is that for those two hours I'm one of two guys or part of a duo if it's a female that are the only two people doing a show that everybody in the United States knows what that show is very cool so you're you know, basically you take a few seconds <clears throat> to yeah. acknowledge and appreciate the opportunity that you have 100% I, 100%. I did not know that I think that's yeah. very cool that you said that I don't do that uh, <laughs> ever I should do that. I should do that, bro. I should. I really should. And and you know, and, and speaking of like everything you're doing at ESPN all these years, and I know that was a goal of yours, and I love when yeah. I see guys that work hard and complete goals, and you did, and it wasn't hard. I mean, but you were you was it were there struggles being that you did start in real sport back in the day, then you went to WWE and, and again we will get into we'll get into WWE in a little bit. But were you typecast, for lack of better terms, coming out of WWE, and you were not a character, not just an announcer in WWE? Yeah. Hard, right? It had to be hard. It was, uh, you know, I haven't talked about it a lot, but it was very difficult the first 
two years, probably at least, uh, because there's always going to be people, and when you work for, for the Disney company, there are always going to be people that are closed-minded, uh, have uh, preconceived notions of who you are, what you are, what you've done, without so much as probably watching one second of what we used to do. And I know you feel this way, that... Anybody that's ever either stepped foot in the ring or been a part of pro wrestling, regardless of the company that they work for, if you get a little bit of a taste, you will never be condescending a short-sighted again because you will understand how difficult it is to do. You also understand the kind of talent you have to do, whether you're being an announcer, speaking, wrestling, or trying to do both. Right. So I had bosses that were very close-minded when I got to ESPN. Luckily, the boss that was hiring was not that way. And after two years of, they did several things to, I, I believe, try to get me to leave because they did not want to have a guy who, who had pro wrestling background. I believe that. I could be wrong, but that's how I felt. And, and luckily, some changes were made. We have a new president who's tremendous, and the people he hired to be his uh, you know, next in line, they're fantastic. They understand that we don't do journalism at ESPN. We do entertainment. So pro wrestling and ESPN are not that far apart. And when they started bringing in The Rock and John Cena and, and all these guys to be on SportsCenter and be guests uh, for radio and all the different shows, I went to them I said, listen, you can't treat me this way if you're bringing in guys that I used to work with <laughs> and you're acting like it's okay. And you're treating them like a million bucks. That's a double standard. And That's a it, double standard. If doing that 100%. So there was a definite time period where I felt like, okay, I've arrived. I've made it. Uh, and to be honest with you, the radio show, when we started uh, you know, coaching company a few years ago, that was the really big difference. Because then I could be myself. We could use the nickname, which has been my brand. And you're as great a brander as there is in sports entertainment. You understand yep. how important the brand is. Jonathan Coachman's boring. Well, what's Jonathan? But when you say, hey, there's the coach. Yep. Hey, the co you know, well, there, there's that brand there, and, and now they let me use it, which well, is cool. I want, I want to ask you. So it's funny you said that about the coach, about coach. When, when I knew you were going to ESPN, I was very happy for you. But the thing that was in my brain, I'm like, God, it sounds crazy being, being a sports fan as I am. I'm like, how is this guy going to be called coach when he's actually yeah. surrounded around guys like Herm Edwards, who's a legitimate coach. You know what I mean? Like, But it, they call you coach. It's kind of cool. We talked about it, and, and there were a couple of coaches. Seth Greenberg, who used to uh, coach at Virginia Tech and the ACC, and, and he's coached for 20-some years, and now he's at ESPN. He was actually bothered by the fact that when him and I would do college basketball together, that I'd be, uh, we'd say, hey, welcome back to the coach alongside Seth Greenberg, and he would actually say. He was hot. Yo, he was hot. And I mean legit hot. Not like playing up on TV hot. I'm talking legit hot. And he would say on the air, I can remember when I was a coach. I can, I, I can remember when I actually got uh, wins for coaching on the sideline. Oh, shit. And I looked at him, Dad, and I said this on the air. When you can buy your action figure at Toys R Us, you can call yourself coach. You better until then, until then, this is how we're doing it. And, and nobody else has a problem. Herm Edwards loves calling me coach. All the guys are cool. But it, it's taken some time. But but it's fantastic now. I really did. I'm telling you, that, that went through my mind. Like, how, you know, that's, that's, that's a great story you just told, by the way. And, and speaking of... Um, um, like, so your work, like when you're doing sports and I mean, some people might not know, I mean, uh, obviously you're working off a teleprompter. I mean, and, and, and the prep work has, has to be insane because uh, mm -hmm. you're watching B-roll, right? You're watching footage, you're calling footage, you're, you, you, you're I mean, try kind of give an overview if you don't mind. Well, I, here's the thing, and I, and I do nighttime shows. I, I'm, we're kind of separated into highlight guys that can do highlights, and then we have anchors that are are better at doing the interview type sports centers during the day when they're not as many highlights. But I write everything myself, and the only thing that I use off teleprompter is when you see us on camera leading to a game or talking about something, there is a copy in the teleprompter okay. that, that I I don't let anybody write for me. 
I write everything myself. Uh, however, when you're doing highlights and say you're doing the 11 o'clock Sports Center and a game ends at 11:15, you don't have a chance to watch that highlight before it airs on Sports Center. So you have to have the knowledge, the preparation, the talent to be able to call it on the fly yeah, and, you're, you're and tell the story. Yeah, yeah. And there are so many things that I've taken Taz from the pro wrestling world <laughs> into ESPN that other anchors will say, "How did you figure out how to do that or that?" And I say, "Listen." I did this for 10 years. And what I mean by that is read and react, which we do calling wrestling matches of all course, the time. Of course. Uh, the uh, allowing the storyline to breathe. Instead of just calling what's on the screen, anybody can watch and see that that guy had a, a three-pointer. Right. But can you tell me he hit it from 25 feet, that he was three for five from three-point range, and that he had 28 points as a season high and one off his career high uh, as a junior in college? That's the storyline, and those are the things that you need to know before you go in. Preparation is huge, and I felt like preparation in wrestling was was just as big so that you respected the guys in the ring to tell their stories right. to help their characters and respect their, where their characters were going. Well, as you know, as a former pro wrestling announcer or sports entertainer announcer, I mean, you know, it's the same thing you just said about a guy hitting a three-pointer. I can easily say, hey, coach, he's got a headlock on. Yeah, Taz yeah. has got a headlock. Instead of us telling a story about why he has a headlock on or what he's done, you know, his back story that's right you know because you're not calling radio you know you're calling right you got it so i mean i think you and i had that we have that in common where we came up as wrestling announcers under the wwe brand and banner you know and 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 i i I could say a lot of negative things creatively or storyline or about wwe and a lot of positive but i will say i owe them a boatload i mean learning how to be a broadcaster uh, just in general, and it's helped me like with this podcast, and I could see like your transition or Todd Grisham, his success. You know what I mean? Like uh, guys that are announcers from WWE that segue out to other things in the world. And, and I think you you made a lot of good points right there. And Todd is uh, is my best friend for one, but he kind of solidified when he came here uh, three or four years ago that it wasn't just kind of a one hit wonder type of thing with me. And and on some level, and I think Rock felt like this when he really started to make big time movies, is that I, I'm incredibly proud to be the first guy to go from WWE, which is the biggest sports entertainment company in the world, and come to ESPN, which is the biggest uh, sports you know company uh, in in the world, and. One thing that I enjoy doing, just like when wrestlers were trying to become broadcasters and there's a a certain skill set that you have to have and embrace it, and that's the one thing that you did was embracing uh, the process and embracing what you need to do as an announcer, but also uh, understanding that you can't lose sight of the fact that the reason you're there as the quote-unquote caller analyst, if we're making sports analogies, is that you know what it feels like to take or give a suplex or give a body slam, or give whatever the move might be. And I enjoy helping guys that a lot of athletes now, because it's a way for them to make a really good living after they play. There's more athletes that want to do sports broadcasting than ever before. And they play thousands of dollars to learn how to do it when they get done playing, and then hopefully get to some network. But they don't realize how hard it is. And they just think everybody can do it at this level. And I say this all the time, Taz, whether it's WWE or ESPN, this is not the minor leagues. It's the major leagues. And you better be able to hit a 100-mile-per-hour fastball or you're going to go down to the minors. Yeah. And you may not get the call back up to the majors again, so you've got to be ready to play at this level. Totally agree with the analogy. It's a perfect analogy. Uh, and, and I think a lot of sports fans out there don't realize all, all these great athletes, once they hang up the cleats, uh, you know, or sneakers or whatever, or basketball, or whatever, that they, that they do go and spend money, learn how to do TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of them we don't see on an ESPN ever. They might end up on a different brand, but or a lower level or, or you know, more of a regional you know, sports. And, That's right. Because it is very hard. And, and, mm-hmm. and uh, well, you've, you've had the opportunity to work around some of the best athletes in 
in in in real sport, along yeah. with great broadcasters. And unfortunately, as you know, and I know he was a, a good friend of yours. Uh, you know, we lost recently Stuart Scott, and maybe you want to talk real quick about 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 him. I I know he was a a, a great, not only a great uh, you know sportscaster, and yeah. I heard he was a great person. I never had the opportunity to meet the man, though. He was for a kid like like me, Taz, who grew up loving sports, addicted to sports. The only thing uh, that I ever truly, really wanted to do growing up. And when I was in high school, he uh, began at ESPN and then, you know, right my last year and then as I got into college and I would watch him and I would think to myself, I felt very connected to him because I knew that on some level I wasn't your normal in-the-box broadcaster, even back in college. It just wasn't my style. I just, I'm not in that box. Right. And, and even watching through, through my 10 years in wrestling, I knew that if I didn't get out at a certain point, and I would continue to watch him and the star that he became. So when I got here, uh, I expected this uh, big ego, uh, a guy that, that was so far up the, the totem pole that he couldn't see this far below him. And he was just the opposite of that. And I was blessed that his office was three feet away from, from where I'm at. And and so we had a lot of late nights uh, where we would talk about a million different things that had nothing to do with sports. And the first night that I got to work with him, that was a very, very special night for me because you nev- most people never get to work with one of their heroes, one of their idols, one of the guys that you looked at and you thought, if I could ever get there, I don't know what the journey is going to be like, but if I can get there and I can be with that guy or I could talk to that guy and I could get the advice, um, then that will be an incredible moment because I, I believe life is full of moments and that's the only thing you can take with you. Stuart Scott created a lot of great moments for a lot of people. He loved sports. He loved his two daughters. And you and I can both respect the heck of out of doing whatever it takes to be a good father and doing what you what you need to do for your kids. And, and I respected the hell out of him. Uh, it's been a very, very tough two weeks. Um, but his, his legacy is certainly going to live on and hopefully something good. Um, I'm hoping at some point we come with a cure because somebody at 49 years of age who's healthy and has a love for life uh, should not be losing that battle. And I know he's not the only one, but you can use the uh, the fact that he was so well known to put some spotlight on uh, cancer research for the minority community because it's a different battle. And, and I think that's at least what we can take out of, of Stuart Scott. But he, he was great, and, and it was like working with a hero. Well, well said, Coach. I mean, uh, well, so I don't, I don't know what to say after that. I, it's, it's tough to segue out of that. But, yeah, it was definitely, uh, I, like I said, I never met the man, but I was a fan of his work. And, uh, and, and God, ESPN done some great package imaging yeah. after he passed. And for those of us that never knew him, the the production end of it was so good that you really felt like you knew this guy even more after those packages that they aired. So great job by ESPN on that. Uh, um, I, th- I think you just, real quick. I think you just hit the nail on the head of why this hurt all of us so much is that Taz wrestling and sports are, are like in this way too, in that uh, you feel like you're part of whatever that person is doing. And on on a Sunday night at eleven o'clock, and you want to see the the recap of whatever favorite game that that you watched that after. Afternoon, that was the voice, and I'm one of the voices that brings it to you. You feel connected that way because sports, it, it throws race out the window, and anybody is allowed to love a Seahawks-Packers game on a Sunday afternoon. Right. And it doesn't matter what you are. And, and I think that's what sportscasters and, and, and ESPN and other networks, too, uh, bring to the table. So. Sorry to interrupt you there. That's all right. No, it's cool, bro. Speaking of <clears throat> sportscasters, I got to tell you, you know, recently, as we know, right, right, uh, uh, Rex Ryan, you know, left, you know, was gone for the Jets, and then he ended up being the Buffalo Bills head coach. And I got to say, there was so much scuttlebutt that this guy would end up in TV, not go to coaching, maybe end up at an ESPN, at, you know, as a uh, on-air personality and an analyst. Uh, Internally, what can you say? I mean, was there a lot of talk about Rex Ryan? Were you surprised that that didn't happen? I don't think there's any question that we would have entertained the thought of bringing Rex Ryan in. The, the difficult thing to do right now is is hiring somebody if you know they want to get back into coaching. Because you can make a really good living at ESPN, but if you're going from making $4 million a year to 
five, say 500,000, just throw in there. That, that's a big difference, and especially if your name is still hot. So I wasn't surprised that he didn't come. I was surprised that the Bills hired him because they're almost the exact same team that the Jets are. Really good defense, no quarterback. Uh, and he was going to get paid for a year. I don't know about you, Taz, but if somebody said to you, hey, Taz, what do you think about this idea? I'll pay you $4 million for the next 12 months, and you don't have to do anything. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I'm in. Me too. Uh, for some reason, football coaches are a different breed, and they feel like if, if their faces are off TV or, or that, that they're going to lose some of their, some of their luster. Uh, but there are two names, Herm Edwards being one and, and John Gruden, that were both high-paid coaches that came to ESPN, and they realized, I don't got to work 20 hours a day. I'm more popular than I was when I coached. And I can still make, you know, close or at least, you know, in the ballpark of what I was making before, and I'm not losing my health. Uh, I'm not going to die as early as I was. There's no pressure on them. Exactly. You never lose a game. You never lose a game. But Rex Ryan's a different breed. He loves, I think he loves the lifestyle. He loves being in front of the cameras every Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, And plus, they paid him $5.5 million a year. He got a raise (laughs) coming out 4-12. and Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. NFL's a beautiful place. And, this, I, and look at me. You know, for years I was a Jet fan. And then what happened was I got mad at the Jets. Really pissed off this year. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Early pissed. Early pissed off in the year. Early. And I, I'm done. <laughs> done with the Jets. I'm now a Bills fan. This is a shoot. Stop I, it. I swear Stop to God, bro. I'm a Bills fan all year. And they, they shit the bed, too. Right? So I'm a Bills fan. Bills fan. Bills fan. Then Marone's gone. Next thing you know, who do they hire? Rex Ryan. I'm like, I can't get a break. <laughs> now, now Marone, Marone, to me, now, they, 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 the gods are just, they're just teasing you. That's what the football gods are doing. Uh, yeah, they're, just, yeah. they're just making fun of Tad. Yeah, they are. Uh, they are. But the, most people don't know the particulars a lot of times of contracts. But years ago, uh, Bill Parcells, when he went to the Dolphins, he put in his contract that if they changed ownership, he could walk away and he'd get every dime that he was owed. He was owed $12 million when they sold the team. They wrote him a check. He walked out the door. God bless him. Exactly. Doug Marone did the same thing. God you change ownership, and the new owners have to pay him. So he had $4 million, walked out the door, they paid him, and uh, he did not, though, get a head coaching job, as we know. So I don't think it's worked out like he thought, but certainly it worked out for Rex Ryan. Yeah, it definitely did. And uh, and, and I don't think Marone would end up being a good TV guy like Rex Ryan would have, but don't matter. It sounds no. like Marone's kind of laying on some beach somewhere in the Bahamas <laughs> and he owns the island. Um, so, bro, let me ask you, speaking about, like, let's go back in time. Well, back in time, if you remember your WWE days. Of course. You know, bro, I know that's what we want to talk about here. And it's the thing is, like, look, you've been through so much as an announcer. Then you became an on-air personality. But I think people also remember the chemistry, that special chemistry that you had with The Rock. I mean, it was kind of weird, but it worked. And and, and was that what kind of, like, I want to know, like, whose idea was it? Or how did you end up from being an announcer to a true on-air personality, and was it because of the chemistry with The Rock, or how'd that work? Well, I think I, I think at some point, and I'll never forget the day that, that Vince approached me. Was, I was working out in the gym at, at the WWE building, and I'm, I'm 6'3", you know, 250 pounds, and, you know, for a while, we a lot of people don't realize this, but when we shot the interviews with The Rock and with whoever else, I would have to spread my legs because Vince was adamant that he didn't want me taller than the guys that I was interviewing. That's why I should have used me for that. <laughs> well, you would have beaten up everybody that you interviewed. Uh, so, so I'll never forget they were trying to come up with some different angle to to kind of shock people. And so prior to SummerSlam in 2003, he walked up to me and was like, listen, we have this idea, but you would have to start training in the ring, and we want to make you a character. We believe you're big enough to make it believable. So who, who, who came? Kevin Dunn? Vince. No, Vince. Oh, Vince. Vince, okay. Vince. yeah. And, and and plus, we think that you could learn enough to make it look legit and be in there and, and take, uh, you know, build it up to where the fans hate you so much because of your tongue and the way you talk. Right, right. And and then and then beat you up right at the last minute when they want when they want to see that. I said, you know what, I'm game. Let's give it a shot. And what we decided to do was SummerSlam 2003 with Shane McMahon against Eric Bischoff. And for weeks leading up to that, I was interviewing. Bishop. 
shop at all kinds of different places so that when we got to SummerSlam, people were like, oh, there's coaches just out there again to, to interview the winner. Yeah. And I'll never forget JR. I could hear him, uh, you know, 10 feet away going, oh, there's coach again. How, how arrogant is this that he thinks Bischoff's going to beat Shane McMahon, that he would come out to get an interview and be waiting here? And you talk about heart pounding, that the first thing you're going to do as far as being physical, legitimately physical, is hit Shane McMahon four or five times with a steel chair. <laughs> and that's what they told me that I was going to do. Wow. So all day, I'm a nervous wreck. And I was like, if I miss, then my career is over. Yeah. Absolutely over. Oh, yeah. So, so it came time in the match. Uh, you know, Shane was thrown out. And I said, you know what? Uh, let's ride or die, man. Let's ride or die. And I closed up that steel chair. And I got to tell you, man, it felt fantastic. <laughs> it felt so good. Wait, you didn't like Shane? No, 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 no. It was just, I know. I, you, know, you know, but it was short-lived because, as you know, Shane, as great of a, a performer as he was, he didn't know how to, I guess, pull punches. No. Or, in this case, pull kicks. <laughs> because I get thrown back in the ring because here comes Stone Cold Steve Austin, and all of a sudden I get kicked in the kidneys as hard as I could possibly imagine. And, Taz, I couldn't breathe for 10, 15 seconds, and I thought in my head, this is how it all ends. It's all going to end right here, right now. I did my chair shot, and now I'm going to take a kidney shot and die. <laughs> and this is supposed to be fake. What happened? It, yeah. And anybody that thinks that wrestling is fake, I just want to punch him in the face. <laughs> and so, luckily, the breath came back, but the kicks kept coming. And so, so everything was fine, obviously. But, but it was a, a very, very stressful but fun first night of, of – and I remember – fans back at the hotel, they're like, my God, we've never seen that before. We never saw it coming. Because that's what wrestling fans love. Yep. They love being surprised when they think they know what's going to happen. Yeah. And well, that's the beauty of the business. And that's the, it is the beauty of the business. But as you also know, behind the scenes, that's the toughest part about, about the business creatively is coming up with some original stuff that's never been, because so much stuff has been done that's with right. all the companies. You know what I'm saying? So it's so tough. But, you know, while you were doing your thing, I mean, while we were together, I should say, in WWE, we were there at the right time. I mean, especially now. I came in in two thousand, January uh, two. I don't, when did you come in? I think it was a little bit after me or before. I don't no, know. no, no. I came in. I started traveling because I'll never forget this. Because your your fans are going to love this story. I'll never forget because back when you came in, there were still a lot of guys, and most of them from the ECW, that what what we like to call lived the gimmick. Remember? <laughs> I mean, the, the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray, really was a heel twenty four seven. Yeah. He still is, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, And so there were a lot of talent that during the day, you have people at the building, be able to see you, whatnot, didn't want people to see you out of character. So I'll never forget, I started in August of 99. So I'd been there four or five months. Okay, yeah, you were four before. Right. Yeah. And so the, you know, it was starting to leak out. They were starting the promos, all those different things. And, and people thought Taz was coming. And so they were, well, we're not sure. Are they, are they pulling a swerve? But I always felt like one of my roles was kind of to welcome <laughs> people to the company and the building where you and I met doesn't even exist anymore the New Haven Coliseum in New Haven Connecticut and I'll never forget this because you were sitting there eating uh, all by yourself which was which was your norm Uh, and I remember rounding the corner and somebody says you know maybe you should go like welcome and just say because I ran this room on the on the road remember where we did all the interviews right prof and those guys right yeah all those guys yeah so I was like you know what I'll, I'll introduce myself say hey listen you know there's gonna be times where I'm gonna need you and then to shoot this and shoot that and and so I walk up and I go hey Taz <laughs> hey man I'm the coach nice to meet you shuck out uh, stuck out my hand you looked at it like it had eight fingers on it and you said so and there was an awkward silence you didn't say anything else I turned around and walked away and I was like damn it's all true everything they say about him is true and I'm as scared right now as I've ever been in my professional life it killed me. <laughs> True story. And so, obviously, 
obviously, uh, you know, we we worked on our relationship uh, as uh-huh. time as time went on. No doubt. Uh, but but <laughs> you you definitely anybody that that has ever embodied uh, being who they were more than you, I haven't met them. Well, that's. Thank you, I think. Um, no, I it's an absolute compliment. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, here's the thing on that. All kidding aside, bro, recently, like on one of my shows here, I talked about, I actually had Van Damme on the show, and I, I apologized to Van Damme at the top of the interview because I was such an asshole during the ECW years to everybody, like you just kind of described, I guess, in WWE, too, but um, I, that I apologized for my immaturity and living the gimmick and all that stuff, and Van Damme said, you know, he, he got it, but he said, you know, that's part of why guys make it and during our era me and rob back in the day mm-hmm. that's why you made it because you kind of had to live that gimmick a little bit to really bring it out I, you know but i apologize now that i didn't shake your hand bro i'm sorry hey you know what if i haven't gotten over it in 15 years that's that's my problem that's not a you problem but but i i, I get it even to this day there is a certain level of the fan at home wants to know that the guy they believe in is that guy all the time. They just do. Now, I know Vince doesn't believe that, and he never wanted us to not sign an autograph or take a picture, and and, and most of us did. But I still believe on some level the fans want to have – they don't want to see behind the curtain. They don't want to see Oz. They, they want to believe in, in, in that Oz exists. And, and and so I, I don't think that was the worst thing in the world at that time, but you realized it and, and, and moved on, and, and I didn't think it was a big deal. I really didn't because I got it. you got to look out for yourself. And in pro wrestling, it's all about you and your brand. Nobody's going to do it but you. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, yeah. dude. Like, you you know, you, you were in a very unique position because <clears throat> you were in WWE originally and for a long time as strictly a broadcaster and you helped produce things behind yeah. the scenes. But you got to witness – during its heyday, during a hot time, how competitive it was in that locker room and the shocks that were floating around everywhere. I've never seen anything like it. And there was uh, a, a level of competition when I got there because Rock was at an all-time high. Stone Cold was at an all-time high. Undertaker, Triple H, you came in. Jericho was brand new. Uh, Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys were having this unbelievable uh, back and forth with the, the, the ladder matches that were the being Dud- introduced. The Dudley's got in there with them, yeah. Yeah, Dudley's come in. And, and so, I mean, we just ripped off 10 or 12 guys right there. And when you're talking pay-per-views and how guys got paid and uh, bonuses and, and having a match at WrestleMania where the money was just astronomical for one night, uh, it was it created an atmosphere where even though there weren't a lot of physical altercations backstage because Vince just wouldn't put up with that, of course, guys were were scheming guys because <laughs> you, you're, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line if they were able to get into a spot worker program. Uh, and, and be in a main event spot or become a champion. And I, I, I'm personally proud of myself that I survived 10 years of that because it was, I mean, it was dicey and it was difficult. And you had to know how to uh, be involved and also have people like you, respect you. And on, on some level, I think, fear you a little bit. Yeah. You got to have a certain respect. You got to know the landscape. And yeah. that's a big part of what you basically just said. And <clears throat> and you got to stand up for yourself, but you got to be able to, you can't just sing it. You got to be able to bring it. And when it's bring it time, you got to get it done. You know, and, and, and but you can't, it, there's not a lot of trust. You just, because we're all independent contractors. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's out for themselves. And, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, that's a reason why I'm sitting there by myself and I'm focused on doing my segment the right way because I want to be better than Jericho. I want to be better than The Rock. I want to be better than Austin. I want to be better than all these guys. I mean, you need the machine to help you, as you know. I mean, I had a little help, and then the help stopped, but I was lucky enough to segue into being, you know, an announcer, which I want to thank you because, you know, I got to tell you, guys like you and, and, and Michael Cole a lot, because I work with Cole a lot, as you know, yeah, yeah. but you guys helped me because you guys are legitimate announcers, and I learned, you know, a lot from NJR, of course, too, but I, I, I got to say, I mean, you, you helped me a lot. Like, when we would call 
those those half shit shows, man, like whatever they were, like Velocity, oh Jack, yeah. whatever. They, yeah, we had fun, right? But I I learned like the ins and outs of doing like broadcasting because I I was green as hell at that, you know. Well, you were smart, and, and here's why you were smart because uh, you realized that at some point, especially with the 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 danger of the moves that that guys were doing post 2000 to take it to a, a different level, that at some point your body was going to break down. At some point, for your family, for your own personal health, you're going to have to do something else. Right. And and you realize, though, that you love the sport of wrestling, you wanted to stay in it. How do I stay in it at this level and make the kind of dollars I want to make and be around it without getting in the ring and working matches four days a week? Yeah. And the, the shows that people are, oh, that's just jacked, or that's just a tape show that they do back on Thursday. Really? Well, to me, every single show I do to this day, to this day, is a chance for me to get better. And it's a chance for me to work on my craft. And so that when I get to the big shows, that if I'm doing the 11 o'clock show on Sunday night, which is our biggest show, I know the other shows I did during the week prepare me for that. And that's what you realize, that even though the shows were, quote, unquote, smaller, that eventually you were going to do Raw or you were going to do SmackDown and you needed to be prepared for that, and, and you were. But you couldn't lose your character in the process because that was the whole reason they were putting you in there anyway. You embodied that. You got that, which is why you were so intelligent about how your career was going to move. Yeah, I appreciate that. But I had a lot of help, and you were one of the guys who helped me, man. And well, you're thanks. welcome. No, really. I mean, really. Seriously. I mean, so, like... All your success in WWE, and obviously all your current success uh, in ESPN, but I mean, do you, do you I'm sure there's got to be times you miss your time being in the sports entertainment world. Every, every day. Really? Every day. Wow. It, it, I, I, I say this to people, uh, people on Twitter ask me all the time, oh, are you ever going back? Would you ever go back for one night? I would go back tomorrow, uh, but I would never leave ESPN. In a perfect world, and this is an absolute shoot. In a perfect world, I would be a character on Raw on Monday nights, and I would do ESPN Tuesday through Sunday. Oh, so you want your cake and eat it, too. I got of you. Course, I of got course. Of course. And uh, between, me, between me and you, and, 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 else and, and yeah, the millions of people, uh, there have been discussions periodically, maybe very recently. I'm not... I'm not confirming anything uh, that that we're tr- we're trying to work something out to where that can happen, um, and it's it's certainly not WWE standing in the way. I'll put it that way. Uh, but even though I have open-minded bosses, I just don't know if they're quite at a point where they want to see their you know one of their top <laughs> sports center guys uh, on any level being a part of Monday Night Raw. But you never know. I believe this that when when things happen, if you just let it settle, it becomes the norm and if they would just let me do Monday Night Raw two or three times that people would be like oh there's coach and there's coach on Wednesday uh, if that'll ever happen I don't know but I would love because I missed the performing and I saw Rock this summer it was it was July when his movie Hercules was coming out yeah. and we talked about it and I said it seems like you're happier now that you've decided to come back periodically and, and do the main events at Wrestlemania and he said I just missed it so much wow. that I had to figure out a way and he said I probably should have done it back when he left full time and I think 03 or 04 but you know you have agents and you have these Hollywood big wigs and they're telling you you can be Hollywood's next leading man and he has been. I mean, he's a bankable star. His movies make a lot of money. But nothing can substitute for 20,000 people at Madison Square Garden. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how much, how many people watch your movies. Right. There's no substitute for that. And I think Rock has figured that out. Uh, and, and you'll always see him on some level be a part of that. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the only, the only negative, not to be negative, the only negative thing on that is, that, as you know how this works, the current wrestlers that are humping the road at live events and house shows and you know, guys like Rock aren't going to be on those shows. I know. You know what I mean? I and then and, and, and he comes in and gets the big spot. I love Rock. Look at him. I'm a big fan of his work personally and professionally. But, you know, that's the only thing. But Rock knows that that works. But that's what the business has become. I mean, WWE has brings, brings guys in big acts all the time for blockbuster, you know, draws at WrestleMania every year. I mean, yeah. the guys that are humping the road in, you know, uh, uh, Sacramento, California on a house show or, or Lansing, Michigan or, or, or uh, you know, Amarillo, you know what I mean? 
mean? Like, here's what I would say to that. Here's what I because I, I get what you're saying, and the new wrestlers, the new talent that are here right now. Here's what they need to understand: that if Rock comes back for WrestleMania and it's six, let's say fifty dollars, fifty dollars to buy WrestleMania, and you sell two million instead of a million, the talent pool for that show is so much higher than it would have been without him. So they're still going to make more money, and if they're if they want to be good enough to be in the main event, then be good enough all year to be in the main event. That's the level you need to get to. Now, Rock's level is a little bit unreachable. Of course. You're right. Yeah. But if you want to be a main eventer and a world champion and all that, you've got all year, four days a week in Amarillo or Bakersfield or right. whatever you're talking about, right, right, right. To, to be a transcendent star. And you need to figure out why you aren't there. Is it my talking? Is it my working? Of is it both? Whatever. Uh, but bringing Rock in for those big shows, I still think generates more money and the upside is better than the downside right. of, of him being there. Well, I, that's I just how I feel about no, it. No, I agree. No, no, I agree. I'm just giving you the side of how yeah, oh, in-ring oh. performers, wrestlers think. Absolutely. You know I mean? Guys that are humping the road at a popcorn match or the second match on a house show, you know, the guys that are under contract, those are the guys, you know, okay, cool, I'm humping the road, but you know, you're right. You got to find yourself as a performer and if you're not getting over with something, you got to shift and move. You got to dip and dodge all the time. All the time. To make it work. It never ends. It's a constant evolution, you know, to be successful. And and I got to tell you, again, so proud of you and your success, able to be one of the, the first guys, I mean, to leave our realm of our business, uh, especially as an announcer, and succeed at the level you are and still climbing at a, a, a massive household name like ESPN, bro. I'm so proud of you and so Thank happy you. for you. That, that, that means a lot to me, Taz. I really I really appreciate that. And and all, all the, the friends that I've met along the way, you and, and everybody else, it's, uh, I really feel like it's, it's coming full circle. And I'm, I'm as, as content um, personally as I think maybe I've ever been because of uh, professionally I'm, I'm, I'm where I want to be. And, and so it's cool to be able to reconnect and, and, and not only talk about it but also look towards the future and, and hopefully maybe uh, help some other guys to achieve stuff outside of wrestling, but at the same time, never really leave it and, and keep, a, keep a foot in there because I wouldn't be at ESPN, I believe this to be true, if I would not have had uh, the 10 years uh, with Vince and with everybody else and you in WWE, so I'm grateful for that, and, uh, and, I, and I thank God every day that, that I get to do this and, and, and do Sports Center for sure. Well, the main reason is you're talented, bro. You've always been talented. Well, and, and thank you. Well, that's what it is. I mean, you're talented, and, and and, you know, I said about, you know, you can't just sing, you got to bring it. You bring it. You bring it all the time. You've always been that way. Uh, keep rolling, man, with your stuff. And for those out there, you want to follow Coach, if you're not already, follow him on Twitter, at the Coach ESPN. Uh, he's always tweeting stuff, and, and and you're pretty active on that social media. You got the hang of that thing. You do pretty well, good there, Well, they, they, they kind of make us. It's fun. <laughs> uh, but I tell you this, uh, if, if they would have had Twitter 15 years ago, uh, you and I would have gotten fired because there are times where I just want to <laughs> Crush people, everybody, I and uh, I every every now and then I'll, I'll be a, I'll, I call it heel Sunday, and I just heal on the idiots, you know. But and in all honestly, and Taz and I, and I saw all the press of, of your podcast, and it does it, it sincerely means a lot to me uh, because you're you're rocking it. I know this thing is going to be huge for you, so uh, I'm I'm just I'm just so excited that that I was able to be a part of this in its uh, in its early stages, as I know this is going to be a huge huge deal for you, so thank you for that. Well, thank you, Coach, and, and you definitely got to come back on here soon. So, I mean, I want you back on here again, and, and, and I'll come in there and hold Sports Center and kick somebody's ass or something like that if I can. That, that, that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you, you got some of those guys there like Golick and Mark uh, Slaywich. <laughs> those, those are rugged linemen from the NFL. Those guys are nasty dudes still, you know what I mean? I don't need Ray Lewis coming upside my head dropping me, you know what I mean? Oh, man. Dude, I tell you what, it's so weird because you remember when we were in wrestling just real quick and we'd walk backstage and depending on the city you could just see any star just kind of with Shaq yeah, or yeah. whoever well that's how it is at ESPN you'll just be walking along you'll be like oh that was just Arnold Palmer uh, uh, was that Tiger that's or cool. was that you know Magic Johnson or whatever it's 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 just it's, it's a, a normal Tuesday to 
to see anybody there. So I enjoy that too. Well, that's why those commercials, the whoever produces that stuff or the creative behind those those ESPN sports. Uh, well, I don't know if they call it sports center. Yeah, sports commercial, center you know commercials. Yeah, that yeah. stuff's great. Like in the office behind the scenes, the guys getting coffee or mascot. I, I, I mark out for those things. I love them. Well, I tell you what, I, I literally have gotten hot because uh, that's what we did for ten years, and oh, they still haven't quite grasped how funny they would be if the coach was involved in the Sports Center commercials. <laughs> so that's that's my next step is for them to realize what they they have a hidden gem right under their nose well, that did do. that for ten years. Well, they do. really, they do. I mean, that, that's a great point. Why are you not doing those commercials? Well, we're 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 fighting an uphill climb. We're working on it. Well, I need, to, I need to be your agent. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. No. I'll talk to work this thing out for you. I can do it for you. No charge, bro. We're good. I, I, I would have to walk out with you because I would be fired after you did your deal. Yeah, I know sure. how that would work. Yeah, you're right about that. All right, brother. Look, come back on here soon. Keep Anytime. rolling with your success, man. I'm so happy for you. You're doing great. Thank you, man. God bless. Thanks, Dad. All right, Coach. See you, man. 